This episode is sponsored by Kangaroo Jack Fitness, personal training that goes above and beyond to get the best results for you. It's the second time that I've compared someone on this pod to Michael Ricketts, Paco Alcacer, and now Marcus Rashford. It's the um, it's the uh, the yardstick. <laughs> if you come off the bench and you score goals, that's who you are. Welcome to another episode of the Game Time Podcast. As always, it's our Premier League review episode. Everyone's ditched us, so it's me and Ryan this week. Ryan, how you doing? The dream team. <laughs> they yeah, love that. Okay. I'm good, mate. Thanks, you? Yeah, very well. Thank you very much. So it's down to you and me to recap all of the good and bad things from the Premier League this week. And mm-hmm. let's start it with the big one, the Manchester derby. I mean, just City showing their class, no? Not really much else to say. <laughs> I feel like you watched follow out so you just breeze past this one. Um, <laughs> and yeah, no, that's that's pretty much spot on, I think. Um just just from watching it, like they 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 played again, sort of like not maybe at a hundred percent, but they were just still too good. A bit like the reminded me a lot of the Spurs game, but obviously with a few more goals. Um, the fact that like they still aren't they weren't completely dominant, but they just looked so far ahead of anyone else in the Premiership so far. And like I said, there's no there's no shame in losing to City when they're on that sort of form. But um, what did you think of United's performance in general, sort of like how they equip themselves? You know what? It's really difficult to know how United play now because it seems like we go 1-0 down in every... I can't remember the last time we didn't go 1-0 down. So it, it feels like a lot of our a lot of our game plan goes out the window because we have to become reactive. But mm. I think, I don't think City looked amazing, but they still look so much better than United. And it's, it's so evident. I mean, you look at the first goal in particular, a kind of decent ball in from Raheem Sterling. United just switch off and let it go all the way to the back post. And then as soon as Bernardo Silva flicks it back across goal, there's four United defenders who don't react. And then David Silva has the ball in the back of the net. And I feel like that's the issue that United have. For all the attacking flair that Martial, Rashford, Pogba in midfield, if he was playing, show, yeah. they're so just not on it in defence that I don't think it will really ever matter until they tighten that up. Yeah, I, th- I think that's fair. Like I say, in, for a team that's sort of, or for a person that prides himself on sort of defensive solidarity, the fact that, like you say, you've got like a Mourinho team who have, have they kept, was it two clean sheets this year, including the Champions League? I did have one clean sheet this season. Only Fulham yeah. have kept less. Mm, yeah, which is obviously, like I say, it tells its own story there. Um, but yeah, like I say, for a team that's sort of, or for a person at least, that prides himself on sort of his team's not letting goals in, it's quite a shock. Um and let's say one thing I sort of noticed, I noticed it watching the Juventus game as well, and I sort of briefly touched upon this on Thursday. But um, I also noticed it a bit when United got the penalty for 2-1. Um, there seems to be this sort of like weird 
way that certain pundits are talking about Manchester United at the moment in terms of they sort of they're surprised that or they're praising them for doing really basic stuff. And it's mm. I find it quite bizarre. Like you got Martin Keown the other day when when um Juventus Man United was nil nil and he was saying, Oh, this is really good time management from United because De Gea was taking a bit long for goal kicks. And it's like Hang on, this team is like the second best. According to the table last year, it was the second best team in England, and they're getting praised for doing stuff that um, a non-league team would do in a cup game at Old Trafford. Like if, if um, for example, like Wrexham were to turn up at Old Trafford and get nil-nil up until like the seventieth minute, that's what they'd be saying. They'd be saying this is really good time management. They're they're wasting they're wasting time. They're being compact, and it's like. Hang on. <laughs> I remember when Man United used to be really good and they used to have like, they used to just dominate teams and just win 4 5 nil with like a really good front three. And it seems like one of those days, like that those days are sort of over in mm. a way because of the way he sets the team up. And I think that raises quite a good point, to be fair. That is the Manchester City style of play now the best way to get results? Is, is that what you have to play? if you want to be challenging for titles, because a lot of people say that Mourinho's tactics are now outdated, that this mm. score one goal and then protect it for, for them, the rest of the 90 minutes is old school. So, so do you have to play like City to win titles or are there other methods? Um, I, I, I don't know. Maybe it sounds a bit simplistic, but I thought that's always the way that teams have gone about winning league titles. Like you think about, like I say, you think about players or teams that have dominated possession. For example, like you see, we've got like Xavi and Iniesta, who were like the two people that sort of made Barcelona tick for like over a decade. And then you have other other teams, even sort of like teams that were mildly successful, um, such as like probably Swansea when they were under like Brendan Rodgers, when they won the League Cup and were doing well in the Premiership. Like it was always based around possession. And I feel like there's a, there is still a sort of a, a market for players uh, and managers to succeed playing a more simplistic style, I think. But I just think at the minute, there's been no sort of, there's been no foolproof guaranteed to work way of um, countering against sort of like heavy pressing football at the minute. I mean, certain people say, oh, you should kick the ball long and then that negates all the players running towards you. But obviously that only works if you have skillful ball players. And then obviously the other, the other, option is to sort of also press them as well which doesn't always work either so yeah. I think yeah I, like I, said, I just think the way that Pep Guardiola has turned City around they're just sort of on a different level at the minute and there's no problem in that in terms of like that's just how things happen but there'll be some like in I don't know a couple of years time I'm sure there'll be there'll be a certain manager or someone that will get under his skin and I can I can't see them dominating for the next like decade or two there'll be sort of, I can see sort of like other teams coming up and that. So, yeah, I don't think necessarily Mourinho's tactics are outdated. They just don't really suit what what is in vogue in football at the minute, which is sort of like, like say, high-pressing, attacking football with a lot of possession. Fair. So you said they're not, you don't think they're going to dominate for the, for the next 10 years. Do you think that's because people will wise on to their tactics? I mean, this year they're already two points worse off than they were last year in the league table. Top both times, but at this point last year, they had 34 points this year. They've only got 32 points. So do you think City, because a lot has been said that they're even better than they were last year. Do you think that's the case? 
Um, personally, I think so. Yeah, because obviously, looking at the games, even they've they've drawn the two games that they have drawn. Um, Wolves they equipped themselves very well, and they were probably unlucky not to win that game. You see, they had a couple of chances to hit the post, hit the bar. I mean, Wolves played well as well, which we obviously we'll get onto later. The fact that I've still not seen them play badly this year, um, but um, but also, and even the Liverpool game, like I say, Mares puts that penalty in, and it's like that's also another win. So they could have easily been. Um, is it thirteen games now? Twelve games. 12. Uh, 12, 12 games, so yeah, yeah. Could, could have been tw- easily been 12 from 12 on another day. Um, and say even when they played badly against us, they still looked to class above. Um, I, I, the reason why I say I don't think they're going to dominate for maybe for the next decade is that I can't see Guardiola staying there that long just because he might get a better offer um, or he might just, if anything happens with this sort of court case, with the allegations that are flying around at the minute in terms of like the financial side of it, mm. if the money does sort of dry up for whatever reason, then I don't think he's the sort that will stay there and try to um, compete on a limited budget because he's always seemed to be managing teams where he has a lot of money and they seem to be quite dominant in the league. Um, but yeah, like I said, I just think that in the next couple of years, there will be someone that comes along that will sort of come up with a, a tactic to negate how good City are and then that will catch on and then they'll have to do something else, whether it's like I say, play already sort of try playing inverted wing backs where you've got like Carl Walker sort of, and Fabian Delph or whoever playing in midfield almost. Um so it'll only take another two two or three years and then you'll have like wingers that play at centre back or something like that. <laughs> and then turn up and just completely rewrite the rule book again. Um but yeah like I said I, I think I think they're a very good team. They're probably as I mentioned before they're probably the best individual team. Um sorry they, they had the best individual season of any premiership team in the history of the premiership I believe last year. I believe that what they did was slightly more uh, impressive than what the Invincibles did. But yeah, like I said, I think they're, they're, you look at the three teams that are unbeaten at the minute and I feel like they are the true ones that are going to win the league this year. Liverpool have been good in times, but they've also had to grind some results out like against Huddersfield and whoever. Uh, Cardiff as well, like even though they won 4-1, it was a bit of a dodgy sort of few minutes for them. And even the Fulham game, they looked a bit shaky. And Chelsea, I feel like I've got very lucky over the last few weeks, like the United game especially. But Man City have not really been properly troubled this year. And that's scary considering we're nearly a third of the way through the season. And the, the most thorough going over they've got was when Willy Bolly punched the ball into the net. <laughs> All right, then I'll, uh, I'll put you on the spot. Are any of those teams going to go unbeaten this season? And who do you think... If they aren't, who do you think is going to be the one that beats City? Um, I do. I well, I'm going to. Yeah, I think City will go and beat him this year. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I do. Honestly, look, you look at the games they've had already. They've already probably played about a third of their games in terms of like the hardest games of the year. So they've come, they've played United once, obviously. They've still got to go to Old Trafford. They've played Liverpool at Anfield, which is one of the games where they got beat last year. So they've already played both, yeah, they've already played both games and, um, and got positive results out of both games they lost last year. So, <laughs> like, because obviously they lost at United, didn't they? And then they yeah. lost all to Liverpool. So if that's the worst they're going to come up against this year and they've already passed the test with varying degrees of competence, then no one else stands a chance. I mean, unless they get like a, <laughs> maybe they rest a few players if they're in the later stages of the Champions League maybe they get beat uh, to someone I don't know, it could be anyone in the league obviously um, but yeah I do think they're the best team they're the ones set fair to go and beat it I do think Liverpool 
have a K, um, a tendency to sort of switch off in games and that will come back to bite them sooner rather than later. And I think Chelsea, like I said earlier, they've by far been the sort of the team that's been most fortunate in, out of the three teams that are still unbeaten because of the chances they've been letting in or the, the chances they've been allowing on goal. And the fact they haven't conceded more goals this year, like I say, the United games are a key one as well, as mm. well as the Arsenal game as well, which was a bit end-to-end. Like, it's ridiculous, really. You think about how many, like, chances they concede of a game and then the fact they've still not got beaten yet. But, um, yeah, I do think City will go and beat it this year. You can quote me on Oh, yeah, I'll clip that up and, uh, and yeah. play it back to you. The... In December when they get beat at home to Palace. Exactly. With the scrappiest Benteke goal in the world. <laughs> well, if, if we jump onto the other side of Manchester, to the red side, was this result just inevitable? Or, or do you think if Paul Pogba had played for Manchester United, something might have changed? Um, I, I don't think it's inevitable. I feel like there was a period of about five to ten minutes when Martial put the penalty in, when the City fans were looking around at each other going, oh, no, not again. Obviously, that's a very similar thing happened last year. And I do think Man United were missing that sort of spark that Pogba brings to the mid- midfield, especially, like I say, he gets a lot of stick, and sometimes rightly so, like I say, that, that Everton penalty when he was messing around with the ball and gave it away and then was sort of like, then United went to give the penalty away as well. But he does bring that sort of bit of flair and a bit of dynam- uh, dynamic play to the midfield. So I think they definitely did miss him. Like switching, switching him for Herrera or Fellaini, you can tell the difference in quality, really. Um, but I do think they were probably, as I mentioned before, I think they were on a hide into nothing anyway. Like, I mean, I predicted them to lose 4-0, so they did better than what I thought. Um, but it was just one of those games where I could just see City running away with it. And nothing mm. that happened in the game, apart from like say, that five to ten minute spell when they looked a little bit ropey after conceding the pen, um, nothing really changed my mind. But then again, like I say, Man United, the, the way they're playing at the minute, the way they're sort of just having to almost like struggle through games, with, like like you said, the, the, the game plan going out the window five minutes after they start, <laughs> it's probably not yeah. the most ideal basis to have for your tactics. Um, so, yeah, the, the way they reacted to it, I thought was pretty good in the way that they only went 1-0 down in half uh, time but yeah like I say no no real shock there and, and that's not really anything that I expect I didn't expect anything more from United in terms of performance without the key people missing Right so that, that's going to about wrap up the Manchester derby and from one end of the table we're going to go to the other end of the table but you know what it's pretty good news if you're a if you're a relegation team right now we'll start with the Cardiff Brighton game Oh yes Bloody hell Neil Warnock's only going to have done it hasn't he I know it's crazy. That that second goal is probably my favourite goal of already of the year. <laughs> the, the overhead kick from centre back off the post, then it comes back and it hits the bar via Lewis Dunk's thigh, and then <laughs> Sol Bamba just absolutely leathers it into the top corner. <laughs> and I'm pretty, just great. I'm pretty sure it nicked off the bar as he twatted it into the top corner. Yeah, yeah. You hate it now as a result, but never mind. Oh. <laughs> What, what um, a goal yeah. it was. Yeah. Um, like I say, mentioned before, but um, the only way that Cardiff were going to be having a fighting chance this year was to win the home games, and they seem to have turned a corner with it now. Obviously, I know they lost to they, they lost to Leicester, and they've lost to a couple of teams um, probably of a bit of a better stead than them in the league, but they're winning the games that matter. They won against Fulham. They won against Brighton. They're, they're doing, like I say, they're doing better than 
I thought they would be at the start of the year. And like I say, if they carry on now, if they can get grind out wins against, like I say, teams like Watford, sort of maybe mid-table teams or lower mid-table teams, they, they've got a fighting chance more than anyone, really. Yeah, I mean, the international break, obviously, is, is this week. But just having a look at their fixtures after that, Everton away, Wolves at home, West Ham and Southampton, and then Watford. You, you'd say in the form, with that win... Southampton are there for the taking and West Ham, you never really know which one turns up. So it's true. What realistically does, does that win actually do? I feel like it will give them confidence that they can win at this level. Yeah, it will give them confidence to win at this level because they'll turn around and go, yeah, we've done this before. We beat Brighton, we beat Fulham. Okay. So we can go and beat, like say, teams like Southampton, for example. But, um, Leading on from that, like I say, where where can they go from here? I this is another thing I, I was sort of looking at over the weekend. Is I saw saw it online. I'm inclined to agree with it. I reckon this year will be the first Premiership season we will see that you can suffer. You will be able to survive below the thirty point mark. Ooh, I, I, I was looking at this, only because we were looking. There was someone's done this sort of uh, mocked up table, as in if teams carry on to get the the points they've accrued already, if they carry on and end up with the season with it, um, you look at the teams at the top, so you've got like City will end up on like a hundred plus points again. Yeah. Liverpool will be in the nineties, Chelsea will be in the late eighties, Tottenham will be, have got like eighty six points. Um and then down at the bottom they had like about up to about thirteenth place. It was anywhere everyone was below thirty point mark. And I was thinking, actually I could see that, see that happening because like you say you've got teams around the bottom that are sort of getting the odd win here and there, but it's not very consistent. If that happens throughout the whole season, you'll probably get one team at the bottom that gets about 20 or maybe less than 20. At the minute, it's looking like Fulham, but you never know. Um, and then you can, I can definitely see it happening where you've got teams like Huddersfield, Cardiff, Brighton, maybe um, Newcastle, Burnley, all with about 28, 29 points, all fighting for the last rele- relegation spot. And it wouldn't surprise me at all. Like They used to be talking about 40 points. I reckon it could be down to 30 this year. Just the way it's going at the minute, in terms of, like I say, teams taking points off each other, no one really putting a good run together, apart from maybe you could say Bournemouth put that good run together of fixtures the other week. Um, so, yeah, I, I genuinely think that could happen this year, and it will be very weird to see teams sort of going for the, that 30 point mark instead of the 40 point mark, really. Trying to rope it back to the football. So, Sol Bamba scores the winning goal. He clearly takes his shirt off, runs directly towards the official with his shirt off and gets away with being booked. Uh, I'm, like I say, there is, there is a humorous side to this, obviously, because like I say, the, <laughs> the fact that he came out on Twitter and said about like, oh, I didn't say, um, I, I said I didn't take my shirt off. And then he, he then tweeted again saying, I hope, he, I hope the ref doesn't have Twitter. Um, <laughs> but um Obviously, what would happen again at the same stadium last week with Demarai Gray when he took his shirt off in memory of the Leicester chairman and he got booked for mm. that. And that was supposedly because it had a message on it, even though it was like not overtly political or whatever. It was obviously just like a sort of a message of thanks. But for then, like I said, for Bamba, who's not a small man, he's quite, <laughs> quite tall, isn't he? Let's be honest, he's over, over six foot. I don't know exactly how tall he is. Like six three, maybe six four. And him to come running full pelt, like say, at, the, at an official that has eyes. And it's like, you, you're going to notice if he's not going to shirt. Because he's just like absolutely delighted. He's buzzing. He's jumped into the crowd. And then he's probably spent at least 30 seconds trying to put it back on again. 
and then just the, like I say the fact that it's it's happened and then it's just the double the double standards I don't particularly like the fact that like say Demar Gray can get booked for the um, showing sort of like respect for the last week and then for um, you've got Sol Bamba doing the same thing and then not getting a card because the ref was obviously oh they're not looking or just just not paying attention and it's a bit weird really and I, I always find I've always found like there's no need I, in my opinion there's no need for the taking your shirt off the yellow card. Like, I don't know why it was ever ever a problem, really. L- last thing on, on the Cardiff-Brian game, because we did mention it was a big win for Cardiff and, and might be a bit of a, a turning point before the international break. For Brighton, though, where do you see Brighton actually finishing in, in the league? Because I feel like they're a side that sort of just bounces around. Like, they'll get, prior to this game, three wins on the bounce and then two losses in, in a row. Are they one of those teams that are just ultimately always stuck for sort of mid-table mediocrity? I feel like a lot of their play or a lot of their results are based on f- very fine margins from what I've seen of Brighton this year. Obviously, the, the West Ham game springs to mind. The fact that they scored in the West Ham game and then basically just absorbed all the pressure that West Ham chucked to them. Mm. And then, let's so say, you've got like the, the Brighton game, where uh, the Cardiff game, sorry. Um, on Saturday, obviously, I was watching it whilst also watching the main head of game. And it was like... They looked comfortable up until, obviously, Cardiff got a bit of a, even though Kadeem Harris did really well and sort of got off the bottom, they got a bit of a jammy equaliser because obviously it comes off the defender and then Callum Patterson's got a tap in with his header. But then after the red card, like, they didn't look, they looked more likely to score, in my opinion, for the last 20 minutes than Cardiff did. So I feel like they have the ability to, like, say, sort of trouble the the mid-table teams and like say if you get a good season maybe sort of push for a, a sort of like top half finish but I feel like they're a very capable side I'm very impressed with them like I say Chris Hewton's probably one of the most underrated managers in the Premiership in terms of what he does with, with teams obviously he got a bit of a rough deal at Newcastle got booted out for in place with Pardew and ever since he's come back with uh, Brighton he's like I say he's done a really good job some of the signings haven't worked out some of the big money moves yet but I do feel like say they 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 now you see the name Brighton and Hove Albion you think okay yeah they're a Premiership team rather mm. than oh they got lucky last year and they're probably going to go down. I feel like like I say they've adapted really well, and it's just how how long it can go on with um, sort of like the players they have. Obviously a few players maybe coming towards the end of the career. Obviously you've got Bruno who's now being replaced by Martin Montoya at right back because Bruno's in he's thirty eight now I believe club captain and then obviously you've got Glenn Murray up front the age defying Glenn Murray um, <laughs> how well how well those players that they have brought in so Jürgen Lacardia for example has not really done anything since he joined um, from the Dutch leagues and then you've got Florian Andone as well who came on um, to a bit of a fanfare yet on Saturday and then ran about for a bit but didn't really have an impact in the game so like I say whether they can get top half or not maybe uh, what do you sort of think how do you see Brighton and Cardiff doing this year the prediction wise, I really like Matt Ryan as a goalkeeper. Oh yeah, which, he's, which, guy, yeah. he's a good, good. He's a good keeper. He's he's a really solid goalkeeper, and I think if you are a club that is either battling for relegation or sort of stuck amongst that sort of bottom end of the table, battling to try and get into the top half of the table, I think the you need a goal scorer. They have that in Glenn Murray. And you need someone decent between the sticks. And I think Matt Ryan is a really decent goalkeeper. And he's going to be one of those keepers that I think he'll he'll earn them points when, when they're under the cosh, a bit like you said, with the West Ham game. So, mm. you know, what? 
I wouldn't be surprised if, if Brighton finish around sort of 14th, 15th, a bit like they did last season. Yeah. I, it just depends if they keep, like you're saying, are on the positive side of those narrow margins. Because you've seen this season, they ran Spurs and Liverpool close, but were on the wrong side of it. They yeah. then dominated Man United and were on the right side of it. So it swings and roundabouts, really, for Brighton, I think. Yeah, definitely. Like I say, they're, they're, they are a team that exists on those fine margins. They're never going to completely swat aside a team unless the other team has a really bad day, for example. Um, but like I say, if they're, if they're on um, the right side of it more often than not this year, I reckon I'd go even higher. I reckon they could be 11th, 12th, maybe. If they, like I say, if they get a few get a few results together, all of a sudden, they're sort of um, they're pulling away from danger and then they're just looking to consolidate again, really. But yeah, it, it all depends on how they're the newer generation of strikers are going to get involved with um, mm. taking the burden off of Murray. Because like I say, he's having a good year, but maybe it's not sustainable over the course of the next two to three seasons. So it'll be interesting to see how they adapt with that. And in a way, one thing that we haven't mentioned, Pascal Gross, I think, is still injured. He yeah. was really big for them last season. So add that into the mix this season. Yeah, you never know. It could push him up the table a little bit more when he comes back. Mm, definitely, yeah. Uh, on the Cardiff front of things, big win for them. I don't, I don't think they're going to get out of relegation. They'll, they'll work hard because it's a Neil yeah. Warnock side. They're, ne- they're never going to give up. But mm-hmm. I, I just don't think, and this is going to sound really offensive, but I just don't think there are enough teams worse than them for them to get out yeah. of it. If that makes sense. No, yeah, that's like I say because often you'll hear team, you'll hear players talk about the fact that we didn't deserve to go down because so-and-so were worse than us. So, yeah, I get the thinking. But I, I just think about it the other day. I, I can't, at the minute, and I can't believe I'm saying this like the middle of October, <laughs> but I can I can see Cardiff staying up more. It's more likely than Fulham at the minute. And like you think about, like let's say, the pre-season that both teams had, mm. where we were sort of saying in August, saying that Fulham are going to do really well this year. Um, and the fact that I can now, I think it's more likely that Cardiff will string results together at home and stay up than Fulham making up the gap in points. It's a bit of a weird thing to say, but let's say you get around Christmas time, you get a few players in in January um, for either either Warnock or um, Yukanovic or even Chris Hewitt at Brighton, and all of a sudden you'll see a team sort of like rocket up the league. It usually happens once a year or with one team a year, so you never know. You never know indeed, and... I, I guess that moves us really nicely on to talking about a team rocketing up the league. Newcastle, another win. Back, yeah. Back-to-back wins now. Never were such times. <laughs> exactly. And nice to see Solomon Rondon finally uh, finally getting amongst the goals since his move from West Brom. What what did you make of the uh, the Newcastle-Bournemouth game? I know Tom's not here. He'd probably be the expert on it. But um, yeah, what did you think? Yeah, um, I feel like... Newcastle this year, like I say, they've sort of been they've looked a bit bereft of ideas going forward, but they've they've not taken many beatings this year in terms of defensively. Obviously, they only lost two one at the Emirates. They lost uh, sorry the Etihad, not the Emirates. They haven't played Arsenal yet. Uh, Arsenal anyway. They only lost two one at home to Arsenal, which is what I meant to say. Um, <laughs> they only lost in the last minute to Man United three two. They lost two one at home to Spurs. And just in general, like I said, they they seem to have kept an okay back line. It was going forward was the problem, and it seemed to click for the first time this year. I mean, they got a bit of a jammy win against Watford, but I'm not going to begrudge them that <laughs> because Jose Perez is one of the hardest working and least appreciated footballers in the Premiership. Yeah, the fact that he just runs 
all the time and looks at and his lost causes. Um, so yeah, like I say, the, the defensive side of it was never really an issue. I, I really rate Martin De Broca as a goalie as well that they have. I was gutted we didn't go in for him as a sort of reserve keeper because he was available for like three million uh, last year when they had him on loan. Um, but yeah, the defense the, the, the defense has always been solid, but it's obviously going forward. And now, if they can get that working again, I feel like, like I say, they can also pull themselves away from the danger. But um, in terms of sort of like performances, it was a bit of an off day for Bournemouth. Mm. I feel. A, a big off day, which is the first one we've really seen this year, which is fair enough. Like I said, they're not going to play well every game. Um, and then, like I say, Newcastle just did, did enough at the end. But that's um, that's what they like. I say the, the, the defense is what they're building their team on at the minute. And it's if they can get the clicking uh, going forward, then who knows? But yeah, have you got any? Did you watch any of the any of the sort of like the analysis or anything? Do you see the game on match of the day or anything like that? All I'm saying is. You've already mentioned some someone uh, rocketing up the table with a few January signings. A big £150 million injected into that club. <laughs> Rafa, Here we go. Rafa's going straight to the top. Uh, <laughs> Win the league on 18th. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, that, I, wanted to, uh, I wanted to say, yeah, that's who's going to beat Man City. It's going to be Newcastle. Yeah. She's going to grind out 26 <laughs> wins in a row. Excellent. Can't wait. Um, but no, I did what, you know what? I don't remember the last time Newcastle were first on match of the day. They weren't first, were they? They were first. And, and no. unless I'm going mental, but I'm pretty sure on Saturday night, they were first. Bloody hell. <laughs> you know what? Solomon Rondon, and I, I mentioned him earlier, he looked really good. And I, and I think not because of any other reason, apart from they were finally giving him the sort of service that he thrives on. They were putting balls exactly. into the box in areas that he wanted it. Scored... Okay, the first goal, he got into a really good position, really good save from Begovic, and then he was just, it came back to him. But the second goal is a really, really good header. And I feel like yeah. if they can do that consistently and with quality, I, they'll be all right. I don't think they'll get relegated. No, like I say, it was, um, that, that header was really, really good as well. I, was, yeah. I sort of was watching it, the, uh, watched it this morning as I was like, sort of like getting ready for work and that. And I thought, that's a, that's a top-notch header, and I can't wait to can't wait to bring that up and give him some praise for that. But like I say, if they can finally get some service into it, then you you don't know really. You don't know how they're gonna you don't know how they're gonna react to that. But it's only if that becomes consistent. Yeah, that I think consistency is the key. But you know what? They've not they've not beaten teams below them or in and around them. They've beaten two teams who are currently challenging for European places and were in relative good form in Watford. And Bournemouth. Yeah. Well, Bournemouth having lost to Manchester United the week before, but didn't play badly in that. So no, definitely not. A, uh, a big corner turn for them. I think bigger than Cardiff's win, but no, fair, fair play to Newcastle. How, 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 how so? How, how do you think it's bigger than Cardiff? I, I think that Cardiff will win games at home, like you've mentioned. And Cardiff won that game in the exact way I'd imagine Cardiff to win a game. Like just an absolute 90th minute launch the ball into the box, it ping around for like two and a half minutes and then yeah. be in the back <laughs> of the net. Whereas Newcastle played really well. Granted, yes, you said Bournemouth were off, but they rode their luck against Watford, but I feel like they took their chances against a yeah. Bournemouth side that were a little bit shaky. And I think that'll be a, a, a big point for, for Benitez to sort of hammer home during the international break. Yeah, definitely, yeah. 
that's um like I say, if he if he can get get it in some probably he's come at the worst possible point for the international break yeah. for both Cardiff and Newcastle. <laughs> but like I say, it's one of those things they can't pick and choose when they play well. In a way, whilst the international break has come at a bad time for the wins for Newcastle and Cardiff, I think it's probably come at a good time for Bournemouth, two losses in a row now, a chance for them just to recoup and and, and rest themselves up. Yeah, they've got that all-important Carabao Cup game as well because they need to win that bet for me. So um, <laughs> they need to get involved with that. They need to put out the best team possible. Um, yeah, I, I feel like this is this international break, the, the November one. It's realistically you see yourself in the table over the course of the year because obviously, like the September one comes a bit too soon, and you've only played mm. like three or four games. And it's a bit like obviously you've got the October one again, where you sort of like you still played less than 10 games, table still taking shape, but now you sort of got 12, 13, 14 games in, and you think, okay, right, realistically, where do we see ourselves finishing this year? So, like I say, you've got teams like Bournemouth and Watford probably having those conversations now and saying, okay, we can push for Europe or we can consolidate or we can wait and see how we go. So, yeah, like I say, it's, it's, um, it's an interesting one to see. I, I feel like there'll be a lot of, lot of key discussions going on with the uh, with the certain sort of management and, and players when they come back well, next you, week. You said, and I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot again, you said this international break gives a good chance for seeing where they're, where they're going to finish. Where do you think Bournemouth are going to finish this season? Only, only if you do the same, because then Tom can stitch us up later <laughs> in the season when they finish like third. I'm going to say ninth, I reckon. I reckon they're going to be below Wolves. I reckon like the top six being as it is with like both Manchester clubs, Chelsea, Arsenal, Tottenham, Liverpool. That probably goes without saying. Um, so below Wolves, I reckon so that would be at least seventh, and then probably below either Everton or Leicester, depending on which one of those get their act together more. Probably yeah. Everton, I'd say. But I, th- I think they've got enough to finish above Leicester, personally. But then obviously that that depends on how they kick on after the international break. But I think ninth is I, fair. I was gonna go seventh or eighth, so yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I, I, oh, really? you know what? Okay. I think they they have got a really tough patch after the international break, bearing in mind they play Man City, Liverpool mm. and Arsenal in the next four fixtures. If they can come out of that with not too bad of a result or even the performance because you're not expecting them to win those games, I genuinely think they can go on another little mini run because Eddie has got that team drilled really, really well. And, and I know that Tom is probably... Yeah more qualified to talk about because he took he watches Bournemouth week in week out but having watched them play against Manchester United just a little bit of tightening up and and they look such a good side he's got them playing so well I just yeah like I said I just I just feel like depending on um how they react to those because if they go and lose those three games then there'll be five in a row and then people start saying like five mm. in a row losses for example if they lose to those three games which is highly likely but not um, definite because obviously like I said the teams that they're playing are of a, probably of a better quality and then all of a sudden you get the pundits on their back and it's how they react to that afterwards if they can come up with a positive result from at least one of those games like I say then it will stop people talking about this like malaise maybe not that there will be one set in but obviously it won't stop if you lose five games in a row it gets talked about whether you um, are playing well or not shout out to big Jeff Lerma who got his first Bournemouth goal with a, a, a good header as well you know what a, a game of of two very good headers, uh, a very brave header from him. But I think he's been a real difference. And I think it it's easy to say that he's been a difference because he's one of the, the big new signings, obviously, is their record transfer. But I think he's added a bit of steel to that midfield that they really lacked last season. And I think, I think that's what will keep mm. them 
in and around that sort of top seven, eight spot for me at least. But like you said, Tom can stitch us up when they when they win the league in two years' time. <laughs> right after the break, we'll have a quick talk about the Arsenal Wolves game, and then we'll move on to some talking points from this week in football. Stay tuned after the break. If you're an MMA fan, be sure to check out the new Switchkick podcast. We preview upcoming events, discuss the big UFC and Bellator news, and John from Philadelphia drops in to give us a few betting tips. To listen, search for Switchkick MMA on SoundCloud or Switchkick in the Apple Store. We're back, and as I mentioned, let's have a quick chat about the Arsenal-Wolves game. Ryan, can you confirm that Wolves still have not played badly this season? Yep, not that I've seen anyway. They're still getting those <laughs> getting those games <laughs> in the games that I've seen. Yeah, I was a bit gutted for them, really, because mm. they should have won that game, in my opinion. Like, <laughs> you look at the chances they have at the, they had at the end, and like Leno made some really good saves, and it was just one of those one of those sort of games where, like, on another day, maybe they go two 0 up, and then Arsenal just don't come back. But then the longer it stayed one 0 you always expected Arsenal to get something out of it. And um, it was quite funny. I saw someone on Twitter saying, because like this, obviously, with me following a lot of Tottenham Twitter uh, accounts, a lot of people, every time Arsenal go 1-0 down, everyone just said, oh, and they'll <laughs> come back. They always come back. Because obviously, this classic like, confirmation bias that like you, the team you don't like always get themselves out of trouble. And they had like this game of bingo as to when Arsenal would score their winner when they were 1-0 down. And so said at the 86th minute, and then he went mental. Because he was like, I, I told you, I bloody told you when the Tyrants scored. <laughs> Um, um, yeah, like I say, Wolves, they're just, they're just very, very good team. Like, I feel like we, the game we played against them last week was the first time they looked, um, they've sort of gone really sort of been put out of a game, but even then they came back with the two penalties. And the fact is that we took our chances to make it 3 0, and um, they sort of had chances even when we were 3 0 up. And it was one of those weird games where you could have seen it going any way. Even like they said, they were three 0 down at one point, and yesterday they could have been three 0 up against Arsenal easily. You had a couple of chances. Jota had a chance. Morgan Gibbs White hit the bar, and like you said, just say it's one of those things where they, I've still not seen them play like terribly in a game, which is really like credit to the management and the credit to the players. The fact that they keep going even when it's not going their way. But yeah, they're, they're a really high yeah, class team. And you know how I mentioned just before the break on Bournemouth with Lerma adding some steel to that midfield. It's, yeah. I love watching Wolves play because João Moutinho and Ruben Neves are not the most steely of players. They're not these big six foot four midfielders who are going to barge you off the ball, but they, they play possession so well that they don't actually need to be that to keep the ball. Yeah. You look at the formation they set up in. Usually it's like a five, two, two, yeah. one, the way they play. So you obviously got the marauding win, but you've got like, um, Matt Doherty and then Johnny. Um, and then you have, like I say, look at the midfield. It looks horrendously under, mm. underpowered in terms of, like I say, strength and um, driving, people making driving runs. Because, like I say, Martino is not the most athletic player as well. He's sort of more sort of like one pace, he'll pick a pass. He doesn't sort of, he's not a box to box player. Neves is a bit more lively, but still neither of them really are. And, like I say, it's, it shows how well they, they've got the system working. The fact that the team on paper looks completely lightweight through the middle but they never seem to get an overrun mm. in midfield in terms of like men or or um, sort of like getting pressed off the ball. They'll always find a pass. And to have like wingers like Cavaliero and um, 
Adama Traore and um, Jota and Jimenez up front. Like I say, it's one of those teams where you just sort of see endless possibilities mm. for like, attacking and sitting back and thinking, oh, okay, well, if we can get to, like say, half-time with, it, with a nil-nil, then they're, they're, they're constantly looking for goals. They're a very enterprising team, which I really like. Arsenal, on the other hand, they're now unbeaten in 16 in all competitions, which is mm. really impressive. And yet, no one really seems to be talking to them about talking about them, sorry, as title contenders. If not this season, do you think they can become title contenders under Emery in the future? I don't. I don't know. I feel like there has to be a lot going on in terms of the at Arsenal with the way that they are recruiting players. In terms of, let's say, it's been talked about before on here, the fact that they have the same problems that they have had for the last five, ten years in terms of they don't have sort of like a dominant centre-back, for example, or they don't have like a holding midfielder. Obviously, they bought mm. Lucas Torreira. Um, so I do I do think that there's still a bit of a way off. But on that note, I'd also like to say that Tottenham are also in the same position in terms of like we're also mm. a way off as well. So it's not just me being biased and saying that Arsenal aren't going to win the league. I feel like you have the top three and to some extent, probably even the top two. Obviously, City are a way ahead. Then Liverpool on their day, can keep pace with them. Chelsea are getting there. And then you've got like Tottenham, Arsenal and United all sort of still playing catch-up yeah. in a way. So, yeah, it's, like I say, it's, it's not, not really a... Um, I don't think they, they, they should be pushing for the title yet. Though. It could happen in the future. Right, so that's going to wrap up the main part of the Premier League review for this week. So we'll go on to, as we always do when we finish an episode, on to our talking points for this week. I'm going to start off by actually mentioning some Premier League stuff that, that I wanted to get in. Quick shout out to Juan Foy. Fair play to him. Conceded two penalties the week before and then scores the winner against Palace. I think that's the mark of a, of a player who's going to do very, very well in the Premier League. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Like I say, he, even, even though he obviously did give away two penalties the other week, I, I still maintain the first one was mainly <laughs> yeah. Trippier's fault in terms of trying to nutmeg someone 20 yards away from his own goal. And it's like, okay, maybe don't do that in the future, mate. If you could, if you could just so, uh, just sort of like, if you're going to take away anything from play, getting to the semi-final of the World Cup, don't try and make people <laughs> near your own box. We'll be great. Um, but yeah, also on that note as well, I would like to um, take the time to mention um, the recent upturn in form of Moussa Sissoko yeah. as well. And the fact that he's had become a bit of a sort of like a, a punchline being at, at Tottenham. Um, and he got a fair amount of abuse. Well, he, he still gets a fair amount of abuse from a certain sort of part of the fan base. Um, but he has seemed to have did, like sort of brought in the right attitude. He's he's tried to improve his game, and he's been the last couple of games probably he, again on Saturday. Him and Fourth are probably our best players. Sissoko was probably our best player against City, and he just seems to have just. Yeah, he just seems to really put in the work and it, you can see that he's trying rather than just sort of turning up and just like not really looking bothered. He's he's limited as a footballer in terms of like he can he can <laughs> run pretty fast and strong, but he's not never really had very good ball control. But he has been quite key in the couple of away games we played just like running at players and taking the pressure off. I felt like that deserved a bit of a mention because like I say he has sort of stepped up visibly in the last few weeks. So I'm really glad because like I say he had become a bit of a 
sort of like a, a, a lightning rod for abuse. And it's not nice to see that happen to a person when he is he is trying, at least. Just because the Euros is around the corner, mate, he sniffs a call up to have an absolute blinder yeah. again. Uh, that's the thing, like when we signed him, like a few people saying we'd massively overpaid for him, but I knew that I, I'd seen him play and I knew that he could play football. He's not like a written off course. Like you saw him, like say in the Euros, and he had the old game, a good game for Newcastle. And you think like, yeah, if you get, sort of like holding him at the right time and, and coaching properly, he could be a good footballer. And I've been proven wrong by him for the last two years, basically, because he hadn't been very good. But I'm I'm glad to see he's, like say, he's now sort of maybe turned a corner, hopefully. I say that in hope that he's turned a corner and sort of really starts to kick on now, because he can be a really real threat. This episode is all about turning corners. Newcastle, Cardiff, now Moussa Sissoko. Tell you who hasn't turned a corner, though. Gonzalo Higuain. I'm not sure if you saw this. Absolutely mad, isn't he? Meltdown is the only word I can think of. Missed, missed a penalty <laughs> against his former club and, and then gets sent yeah. off for just just basically just going off on one on the referee. <laughs> oh, it was, so he, from what I can get from the, from the lip reading, and, and my Italian is... is not the best at times, but it sounds like he just keeps shouting, why do you only whistle at me? Like, why are you not giving me fouls? And he shouted at him like five times in a row. So so the ref booked him, <laughs> sent him off, and then he pushed Ronaldo, then started shouting at Chiellini, and then looked like he was in tears, and then walked off the pitch. I mean, yeah, of all the things, don't shout in the ref's <laughs> face for a start. It's just a terrible idea. But then, like I say, to start, to start on two... Juventus players as well. just, just had an absolute... He's just lost his head, hasn't he? Simple as that. Ryan, have you got any talking points you wanted to mention this week? Um, yes, a couple of key games. Obviously, we talked about the FA Cup first round um, we did, last week. Or in the last, last week's podcast. I tried to pick out some giant killings for you. Unfortunately, got none out of the three <laughs> I actually called. But then I got the one I sort of mentioned briefly and guys that versus Cambridge that did come out and um, guys who managed to win that, although it was a very weird game. They went 4-0 up and then struggled to a 4-3 win in the end. Um, so very, very, like I say, very close game. Um, as we speak, the draw's being made. Um, there's a couple of games as well. A couple of teams I'd like to mention as well. Um, Stockport County beating Yeovil, which is a really good result for them, away from home, like being a league club. Um, obviously, they're in the Conference North, but used to be a sort of a league team. I can mm. remember when they were in the league. Um, obviously, good for them. Um, a couple of teams that have been drawn out already that look like quite good games on paper. We've got, um, first of all, Portsmouth. Obviously, we used to go down uni there away at Rochdale. Um, then we've got Solihull Moors at home to Blackpool. That could be good. That will probably be televised. Um, but yeah, like I say, a couple of couple of key games. Chorley as well. Um, and they're in the National League. They've got a replay against Doncaster. Um, so that, that was a good result for them. And like I said, just in general, we see a lot of non-league teams that are really sort of giving um, the, team, the league teams a run for their money, which shows obviously the, the, how far the um, non-league or how far non-league teams have sort of come over the last few years, where they're really sort of like putting, um, giving like league teams a real game, which is good to see. The magic of the FA Cup, indeed. Right, I wanted to finish it with this because I put it in the uh, I put it in the group chat. The Habib Habibu's goal. If you haven't had a look at this, we'll post it on our Twitter to have a look. It's unbelievable. I don't know if you saw it right. So he he currently plays for um, Maccabee in the Israeli Premier League. 
his first goal of the season. He's in the box, like looking after one of his players who's got injured. Um, and oh yes, yes, and I the have ball seen just this. gets whipped yeah. across. The goalie sort of misses it, and the fact that he's not even looking and he just knows the ball is near, he just gets up, runs over, taps the ball in, <laughs> doesn't celebrate, just runs straight back to his player on the floor, being like, "Are you, are you all right, mate?" Yeah, I've scored, but in serious, in all seriousness, <laughs> are you hurt? Oh, I just think. If that isn't nominated for Pushcash Goal of the Year award, I am going to be so disappointed. Yeah, that'd be good. That'd be, like I say, just to show that he's compassionate, but he loves goals. <laughs> nothing, nothing gets in the way of goals. Not, not even a potential injury. Not even a potential fractured <laughs> skull. Just carry on. Playing. Also, so this is, I've clicked on the video again. And then the second related video is Habib Habibu versus Duck. And it's just him okay. carrying a duck off the pitch. So this man just... Oh. He has got that, yeah, he has got that compassion. He's, he's an him. absolute angel of a footballer, so fair play to him. Yeah, excellent. That's a nice, that's a nice heartwarming. It is indeed. Ryan, thank you very much. It's been fun as always. Yeah, uh, we'll be back this week with a sort of England extra pod that we recorded. A few funny bits in there. A few, uh, a weird England team draft that Tom and Ryan took part in. So you've got that to look forward to this week. Uh, otherwise, the rest of the guys will be back next week, we hope, with another Premier League, well, international football, I should say, review. So until then, see you later. <laughs> <laughs>